Well, we love some Southern gospel every once in a while at Oasis. If you are new and this is your first time, I'm sorry if you don't like country style, but uh, every once in a while we do. So uh, thank you again for being with us. Uh, I just, I want to welcome you and then I want to I start by this. Uh, this is like a really kind of an awkward kind of a day to do a friend day. One, because your, yours truly is not the brightest guy sometimes, and I, we didn't do the best of planning in certain things. Today is 9-11. Today is a day, it's 21 years ago, and I, a large portion of you that sit here would know exactly where you were 21 years ago when uh, the Twin Towers fell and when all of those things happened. I was uh, in the middle of classes at college, and I remember walking into class, and uh, for the young people, uh, this was before instant messaging and notifications and all of that stuff. So we walked in having no idea what was going on, except for the professor said something had happened, and there was a, a tower had been hit by a plane. And so we prayed, and we left, and we went out and uh, did our thing, and, and we just went back to the dorm room. I was in Virginia, and so my roommate was from D.C., and his mom... And all of D.C. was pretty much no communication at that time, so we had no clue what was going on. Is mom okay? Is family okay? Uh, all of those things. So it was kind of a, a little bit more real in that regard. I had a, a friend from New York on our hallway, and so we all just kind of gathered, and we, would, we hung out until we kind of had an idea of what was going on. But, um, so we have that going on, and then today uh, we are continuing in on our study in the book of Mark, chapter number 13. So if you are new to our church and this is your first time, we have been going through the book of Mark. Well, Mark 13 is a, uh, uh, it's a really great passage of scripture. It's prophetic in nature. It looks at the end of times. Well, yours truly is not the brightest guy in the world. So today for Friend Day... Uh, we're literally in the middle of the Great Tribulation, and we're talking about the end of the world. And so uh, I apologize in some regards, because that really wasn't the plan. And uh, you may have even looked at the little bulletin thing that says the desolation to come, and you're like, oh, that's so exciting. What a, what a happy day. Uh, so I apologize, but at the same time, that's where we are in Mark chapter 13. And so uh, I'm going to keep preaching that. And uh, again, thank you for being with us uh, this morning. I, I, I do pray uh, that the passage of Scripture that we're looking at uh, would uh, prick your hearts, would stir you, and, and to the point that it stirs you to action, uh, in, in regardless of where you stand in any of this. And so, uh, we are in the book of Mark, and in chapter number 13, uh, if you have your Bible, is where we'll be. And uh, there's 16 chapters in the book of Mark, and so we're now in 13, we'll finish up chapter 13 next week, uh, which is actually a little bit more exciting. Next week, uh, if you were to continue to go in, uh, verse number 20, 25, 26, uh, any rate, next week, Jesus comes back. Uh, from that, and he begins to kind of uh, take, uh, take some control, and it gets a little more exciting at that point. But we're not quite there yet. We have to get through this part first. So uh, we are here. We're in the middle of, how many of you have heard of uh, the Passion Week? Usually this is taught a lot of times right before Easter. The Passion Week, have you heard of that? So you've got the Passion Week, and we're, in the, we're on Wednesday night of the Passion Week. So Jesus has been teaching in the temple, 
And as Jesus has taught in the temple, he's been questioned a lot. And, and he's now done all of these things. And in this passage of scripture, it says that he walks out of the eastern gate of the temple, goes down the Kidron Valley, and goes up the Mount of Olives. I wish I would have done a little bit more due diligence for you and, and brought pictures. Uh, I have been fortunate to be in Israel on two different occasions. And if you stand up where the Mount of Olives is, and from this perspective, uh, you kind of look out, and, and ahead of you is the, the, mount, or the Temple Mount, which today would oftentimes you would hear as the Dome of the Rock. Um, and so it's just a gold dome that sits on the temple there. And so from this perspective, you really can see the temple and you see all of the Jerusalem area just off to, depending on where you're looking, just off to the left, you would see uh, down in where the city of David is and all of those things. But Jesus has now come out of the temple and he's walked down the little uh, valley and come up to go up onto the Mount of Olives. Right below at the bottom at the base of the Mount of Olives is where the Garden of Gethsemane is. That's where Jesus will be arrested and we'll get to that really in a pretty short time. And so this is where we're at. And Jesus is now up on the Mount of Olives and, and Peter, James, John, and Andrew begin to ask him the question. And Pastor Dan did a great job last week of explaining uh, what, the, what was taking place because Jesus answers and he says something that the the temple was going to be destroyed. There's no rock going to be found on top of itself and so on and so forth. And, uh, and the disciples are going, what are you talking about? Uh, what's going on here? And so Jesus, or Jesus, Dan explained uh, as Jesus taught the disciples at that point. And today we come to a place where we kind of have moved a little bit further. The signs that were talked about last week were, are now a little bit further. It, it speaks of in verse number 14 that the abomination of desolation is now standing. And we're going to talk this morning about some pretty gross stuff that's going to take place at the end of the earth. But as we do, I want to say this. If you know Christ is your Savior this morning, I believe with everything in me and everything that I've studied that we will not be a part of what we're looking at today. If you know Christ, you will be caught up before Him, or if you've passed away, you will not be a part of that, that time, that tribulation. You will not be a part of the signs that we talked about last week, and you'll not be a part of the desolation that we're going to talk about today. And we have a great hope in that. It says in Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, looking for that blessed hope, a hope to us, today should be a challenge to you uh, as much as anything. And I'm going to say some of the same things over and over throughout the sermon today. And I'm going to ask you a question. Are you prepared? If you know Christ as Savior, you have a preparedness spiritually on this earth. But I'm asking you, what are you doing with that preparation? What are you doing about it? As we look at today, you're going to see stuff and you're going to go, wow, that's really, that's, that's nasty. But what do I do about it? And so as we get into the passage of Scripture, but it also has a, there's a flip side of that. For those that do not know Christ, for those that don't know Christ, there's maybe an aspect of, of fear. There's an aspect of, uh, of just a, a concern that might come upon you or those that will that be at that time because of the desolation and the destruction that will take place. First Thessalon or Second Thessalonians in chapter one, verses nine and ten says this Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. See, the end for those that don't know Christ is 
as it says here, an everlasting destruction. So this morning, I, uh, as I was really studying and really kind of putting together where we were going to end up and land, and I, like I said, I kind of feel like I did it wrong timing. But at the same time, this is God's perfect timing that you are here at this time. If there's been a question that I've been asked more than any time in my 20 years of serving in ministry, it's been over the last three years of what's going on and what's to come. More times than ever have people asked me, hey, is this the end of times? Are we living in the end of times? What's going on? And I, I can't give every specific answer, and I can't tell you, and I'm not telling you today that tomorrow it's going to end. That's not what the point of today is. But at the same time, there is an end. And I am called to have a preparedness as an individual, and as a believer, I am called to call you to be prepared. And so as we look at this and we see some of these different things, we looked at last week and Dan spoke of the signs and the, the, the signs that were, that were there and the signs that were multiplying and they were coming faster and faster and faster. And one of the things that Dan brought out of Mark chapter 13 and verse number 10, it says this, and the gospel must first be published among all nations. Church, can I just tell you, if you, don't, if you know Christ as your Savior in this room today, there is a lot of work that we have to do. Because my responsibility as somebody who knows Christ as Savior, my responsibility is just what that says, to publish among all the nations. To preach, to proclaim that there is a time coming that is the end. And this morning, I'm not standing here to give doom and gloom. That is not at all my, my heartbeat. If you know me at all, hopefully you've experienced some of that, that I'm not really that guy. But I want to come to us this morning just the same, and I want to bring some caution. Uh, we live in a day and age where information is spread rapidly, right? You have a phone right now. Uh, you can pull out your phone, and you can pretty much look up, watch, do anything. Some of you are doing it right now. You could tell me the scores of what's happening right now. Anybody? Anybody? Day one, like, right? First Sunday of NFL season. I have no idea what my Browns are doing, but it doesn't matter. Uh, probably going to lose. But anyway, are they winning? <laughs> I got somebody out there. My Browns are winning. We're good. So it's going to be a good day. No. But we have technology. We have information so rapid right at our fingertips. Do you know there's a great thing about that and there's also a really bad thing about that? And as I come and I just share, as we get into this, just the caution that I have for all of you. Uh, the end times is one of the most popular and talked about things right now. Can I just throw this out? Just because it's on YouTube does not make it right. There's a lot of men and women on YouTube right now that are talking about what I'm talking about that are making a lot of money because a lot of people are interested in what's going on in the end. Be cautious as to what you're listening to. Also, if you are a believer... I believe that we are called to be prepared. I also do not believe that you are to be afraid and to have 17 homes full of food and 35 generators so that you're going to be okay when everything goes bad. I'm not kidding. I know a lot of preppers. You know preppers? 
Listen, God's word does not speak to us to be prepared so that we're in fear of what's to come. God's word speaks for us to be prepared because I need to spiritually know where I'm at, where I'm going, and I need to be prepared to tell you to be prepared just the same. I'm not telling you to be dumb. We can watch the signs and we can see what's going on and maybe you do whatever you're going to do, but that's not what scripture speaks of. We need to be alert. We need to be aware of what's going on. I do believe that. But you are not to be fearful of what is to come either. Church, we are not to be afraid of what's to come. If anything, you should watch with an amazement, with an excitement, with a joy, knowing what is to come, and then be energized to tell people around you of what is to come and for them to be prepared spiritually. God's word, the, prophets, the prophecies of God's word are for this, that you would be prepared for that day. That's what we're here for. And so this morning, my caution is, I mean, if you have 25 generators, cool. I guess share them with somebody, I don't know, because you're not going to have any gas to run it. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and anyway, I can keep going, but... Solar. Well, you can't buy the parts because they're made in China. So we're, we're, you know, anyway, we can have a lot of fun with all this. But hey, be, be aware. I'm, again, be aware. But the intention of Scripture is not that of fear. Do we, do we follow that? It's not that of fear. And a lot of that is what we're seeing today is just a fear. It's a, oh, I've got to have all this stuff. And there is an aspect of that. If you... That's great. I'm, I'm good with that. We're, we have some preparedness in our home, but we're not, you know, grab, a bag, grab an extra bag of rice. You know what I mean? Be, be aware. But don't be fearful. And so this morning, as we get into this, we're going to look at some of these things. And my plea is this. This morning in verse number 19 of chapter 13, it says, for in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation. My cry to you, my plea to you, me begging you is this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, my prayer has been all week that, you would, that God would tug upon your heart and you would run to Christ. My prayer has also been for those of you that Many of you sit in this church on a weekly basis. You hear the teaching. You sit in life groups. You do all these things, and you're, you're a believer of Christ. My cry, my begging for you, and my prayer has been this, that you would not be able to sit and read and listen to what Scripture says is taking place and will take place, but that you would be spurred just the same to run to share the hope that you have of your Savior. That's what we're called to do. I don't give this sermon today to get more clicks online. I've not published the fact that we're coming to talk about prophecy stuff. I didn't, we never did that. I'm doing this, one, because we're going verse by verse, and this is the next set of verses. But it would be a shame for us to not say, this is what's coming. Are you prepared? I'm to preach this. And so I'm doing it not out of any of those other things. I don't want to scare somebody, but at the same time, you know what? There might be somebody in this room that it scares them to death to the point that, you know what? I don't want to be a part of that. I need Jesus. 
And I hope for others, I hope it scares you that there's a family member that you have that doesn't know Christ and you've never shared the hope that you have with them and it scares you that they don't and that you'll run home and you'll pick up the phone or you'll walk to their house or whatever it is and you'll let them know, hey, I can't, I I must tell you the hope that I've had that I've always been afraid to share and that you'll share that and that we'll be energized in that manner. So this morning, as Dan Looked at last week, the the pangs, the the labor pangs, the the preparation, the stage that's being set. I believe that we're sitting in that. I believe that we're watching that. We're seeing the stage that's being set. I, I truly believe that. I also know that Scripture says that that has been happening for thousands of years. And so as we look at this... The stage that's being set, the, the labor pains that are happening, that are, that are taking place, it's nothing to what, we'll, what was talked about last week. Those pains are something that we just, we're seeing more natural disasters today than ever. Okay? Nothing to the fact of what God's word says is going to take place in the great tribulation. So we're seeing it. It's taking place more and more, but nothing to the place of what we see and what Pastor Dan spoke of last week. And so as we get into this week, we are now in the dead center of that middle of the seven-year tribulation or the middle of that 70th week of Daniel. The next three and a half years and what we're going to talk about now are about to be horrific as it states in verse number 19 that it is the worst devastation that the world will have ever seen. The abomination is now setting in and all of the horror that is about to take place. And I ask you the question of this as we get into this, are you prepared? Are you prepared? If any of this were to take place and the the church was to be caught up today, would you be with them? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? That's not me scaring you. That's me asking you a question. Do you know Christ is your Savior? And if you do, what are you doing with that? See, because God didn't save you for you to be quiet and silent in your own little cubby somewhere. God saved you to go and share. He entrusted the gospel with you to then go forward and do something with it. And so this morning, that's what we're looking at. Mark chapter 13, we're going to be in verse number 14. We're going to go through verse number 23 this morning. And if you have a copy of God's Word, I would love for you to open it and go with us. If not, uh, it will be on the screens this morning and you can follow along that way. But Mark chapter 13, verse number 14 But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand. Then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. And let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house, neither enter therein to take anything out of his house. And let him that is in the field not turn back again for to take up his garment. But woe to them that are with child, And to them that give suck in those days, and pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. For in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created unto this time, neither shall be. And except that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. And then, if any man shall say to you, Lo, Here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But verse 23, but take ye heed, 
Behold, I have foretold you all things. Father, we come to you today. And God, I pray that this morning, as much as this is a a friend day, and we've encouraged people to bring their friends to church, and just uh, just a reminder to keep evangelism on the forefront of their minds. God, I pray that this is uh, that you would speak through your word. God, I pray for somebody in this room right now that does not know you as Savior. God, I pray that you would use this passage to prick their heart. I pray, God, that they would see where they are in light of you. I pray that they would see their sin. I pray that they would understand that the wage of their sin, the, the, the penalty of our sin is death. And God, they don't have a desire to be a part of the things that we will see today. God, I ask that you would hide me. And God, that you would speak truth into lives today. God, I pray that we would leave challenged, encouraged, and strengthened. And God, more than anything, that you would be exalted. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. The very first thought this morning is just simply this, the abomination. The word abomination is never a good word used in Scripture. It's never a good word. The abomination itself means and it speaks to destruction and and desolation and ruin and waste. And so here we see in this passage in verse number 14, When ye shall see the abomination of desolation, and it says what? Standing where it ought not. In the book of Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27, in the book of Daniel chapter 11 and 31, in the book of Daniel chapter 12 and verse 11, all speak of the abomination that makes desolate, that would point to what we're talking about, that would point to that end moment. And and as we see this, we're looking at that, just that, the desolation, that the abomination is going to bring about such desolation. But what does it mean that the abomination is standing where he ought not? The abomination from everything that I've studied, from everything that I have looked at, is pointing to the Antichrist. That the Antichrist is now standing in the midst of the temple. He's standing in a place where he should not stand because he is not one that's authorized to stand where he's standing. But in the midst of everything that's taken place, all of the signs, all of the mess that's taking place over the last several years, somebody, the the Antichrist, is now going to do what? They're going to come in. They're going to be really cool and peaceful and they're going to bring everybody together and they're going to sign treaties and they're going to give us some world peace that we're after, right? We're all after world peace. And this Antichrist in the midst of all of this chaos that's going on is going to step in and he's going to do those things. He's going to begin to bring people together for a time and then it's going to get really ugly. So the the, the abomination, the Antichrist is now standing where it says he ought not stand. And he is about to break some of the the, the treaties and some of the things that he is doing. And so today, though, I'm not going to divulge and dive into every little nuance of all of the, the, the 70 weeks of Daniel, and I'm not going to come into every, all, I'm, not, I'm not here to, to try to point and, and cross all the T's and dot all the I's and find all the connections to this place and that place and why this and why that. And that's not what we're doing. But as we see, this is where we are in the middle. Signs are now taking place. Things are happening. But up to this point, it's still bad, but relatively peaceful. Doesn't that sound great? You looked at that, the previous verses, and you're like, wow, that's really bad. But really, the reality is, it's not great, but it's still relatively peaceful in comparison to what we're about to see. 
And the Antichrist has now come in, and the Antichrist is doing those things. The church is uh, no longer here. As Dan said, as I've said already tonight, or this morning, uh, the church is no longer here. I believe the church has already been raptured up. God is now in the midst of raising up the 144,000 evangelists to take the gospel to the nations. They're going to be hated. They're going to be persecuted. But yet they're going to have a supernatural power to be able to do what they have been called to do. Uh, that the Spirit is going to strengthen them and give them boldness. And this Antichrist will come to to bring a false peace, to make alliance with Israel, to, to do all of these things, then he will quickly turn his back against them and begin to kill and begin to have just mass destruction. Second Thessalonians in chapter 2 says this in verse 4, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. If you go forward to verses 9 and 10 of, of that same passage, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with the all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. The abomination that is spoken of is this Antichrist proclaiming to be what he and nobody else that's ever walked the face of the earth can be except for God as God. We'll see at the end of this passage that we'll look at that he will begin to proclaim himself to be something that he is not. And that is what's going on. And we see all of these things that is taking place. The signs have led to this place. Therefore, the prophecies have been given. Therefore, Jesus was telling and he's warning the disciples that this is what is to come. This is what you need to be prepared for. This is what we need to tell others for, that all of these things are coming. It's why we share today of what is to come so that we have a preparation of what that is. And so again, I get to that question of asking you this. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? And you might say, but am I prepared for what? The second point is just that, the devastation that's to come. The second thought is the devastation. Am I prepared for that? Am I prepared for what tomorrow holds? Am I pre prepared for the future? Eternally speaking. Are we prepared? Are we prepared? See, the signs are pointing as to what's to come. The devastation that is to be on the horizon is worse, it says, than anything that has ever been seen. As I look at this passage and I read that, that passage or that verse in, verse in 19, For in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation. Here's what I asked Mindy yesterday. We were driving I think, it, we, I think we were driving, and I, it was just kind of random because it's a thought that I've had. I believe that there was a devastation upon the earth that wiped out the entire earth except for one family, right? And as I've been reading this all week, I keep thinking to myself, Jesus said the destruction here will be worse than anything that we've ever seen, which would be worse than that. And I just, I had to stop, and I had to like just, I wish I would have thought of it, like really in the midst of the week, and like maybe began to do a little bit more study on it. I don't know if anybody could give an answer to it. But I kept thinking, man, God wiped everything off the face. He put the entire world, like he put everything underwater. 
He killed everybody but one family. But this passage says this is the worst destruction, more so than that would ever have been. Here's the only thing that I can come up with. And I'm just sharing this because these are random thoughts that come to my head. The only thing I can think of is this is a three and a half year process of horrific things that will take place over the course of three and a half years. That wasn't that long. So did the, was it that the flood wiped out quickly and therefore the devastation wasn't felt personally as bad? Does that make sense? Like a flash flood comes and you just got hit and you're done. Like there's no real, you don't feel it. This is three and a half years. A lot of it's going to be three and a half years of pain over the course of a long period of time. I mean, there's a part in here we'll see in just a moment where they will be tormented for up to five months wishing they could die, but they could not even die. I don't want that. So those are just random thoughts that I have. Throw it out there. You can discuss it over dinner. I don't know. But as I think about this stuff and I think about that is, man, this affliction, this devastation will be unlike anything that we've ever seen. I don't know what you've been a part of. Today, 9-11, you watch that on the news. You're going to go home and you can see today. You can, there'll be videos of it. There'll be reminders of it. That is probably some of the worst devastation that much, some of us have ever seen. Some of you have been to war and you've seen things that way. Some of you may, may have been in the midst of, you know, there's been natural disasters that have killed hundreds of thousands of people. But it speaks that there would be more than anything. Jesus says in this passage of Scripture, he says to, in the end of chapter, or verse 14, let them flee the mountains, that they would flee the mountains. Verse 15, let them, or let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house, neither enter therein to take any out of his house. As, as if you're familiar, or maybe you're not, but the houses in, in Jerusalem really are almost like steps. It's a house, and, and then there's another house, and there's another house, and they're built. And you can go out on your rooftop. Most of their rooftops are like a patio type of a thing. They sit out there. It's nice. They'll sit in the weather and they, they have the chairs and they sit. And it says, when this comes, when that, when that abomination sits at that temple, when he stands where he's not supposed to stand, where he proclaims where he's not supposed to proclaim, when you see that, run! Get out of here! If you're on the rooftop, don't go down inside to grab some of your stuff. Just get out. He keeps going on. Let him that is in the field not turn back, but go. If you're out in the field working, don't go back home. Don't worry about anything else. Just get. When you see the abomination stand where he's not supposed to stand, and you're in the middle of the field, go. It goes on. Woe to them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. Why? Because if you're with child, you're pregnant, you're not, the, you're not the most agile individual in the group. You're not getting out as quick as you ought to. He says, I, I pray that you're not with child. I pray that you're not carrying the baby and feeding the baby. Why? Because that's something that you have to hold that's going to take you from getting out of there. Quick, it says, hope and pray that it's not in the middle of the winter. Why? Because the winter will slow you down. It's not as nice of the weather and different climates come in and all of these things. Do we understand he's saying, get out. This is a dangerous place to be. You don't want any part of this. Get out. 
And as he keeps going, he comes to that point. In verse 19, For in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation, which God created unto this time, neither shall be. I'm not going to go through all of this this morning for the sake of time. But that devastation, that affliction that it's talking about, if you were to maybe write this down in your notes, but in Revelation chapter number 6, all the way through chapter number 16, it speaks of the seals, it speaks of the trumpets, it speaks of the vials or the bowls that are to come, and it speaks of the devastation that's happening is what we're looking at. And I'm just going to touch on it really briefly, but that's where all of this is coming from. And I don't know that this is the exact reality of why this was, but in chapters 6 and 7, we see the seals. But before the seventh seal is opened, in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I just thought I I put that in there because as I was studying, one of the commentators and uh, the people that I was reading made reference. It appears that what is about to happen is so severe that calls for a time of silence and mourning. I don't know if that's why Jesus or that's why God silenced everything. But can you imagine dead silence for the course of 30 minutes? Not like a a time of like not like 30 seconds of, of silence. 30 minutes globally. Can you imagine? I can't. Because we can sit silent and we can attempt to be silent right now. You can hear the hum of the lights. You can hear a lot of things. There's 30 minutes of complete silence that's going to take place. And then it's going to get really ugly. I don't know if that's just the calm before the storm and we say that. That's reality. If you've ever been in places that really have storms, that's very true. I've witnessed that several times. It's kind of cool, kind of scary. But as we look at this, we see that in verse number 1 of chapter 8. Then we see the first trumpet. A third of the green vegetation on the face of the earth being destroyed. The second trumpet... A third of the oceans become blood. A third of the life in the sea is destroyed. A third of the world's shipping is destroyed. The third trumpet. A third of all fresh water of the world being polluted. Some form of a poison, whether that's through, I don't know how that's going to take place, but there will be a third of the fresh water. Have you watched the news recently? I think it's in Florida. The water that was coming out, similar to looking like coffee, and they told them in Florida, don't drink the water until you boil it. Signs to come. Can you imagine that globally? It's crazy. The third of the fresh water. The fourth trumpet. Events taking place in the heavens and the sunlights being diminished. A third of the sunlight. A third of the light of the heavenly bodies being destroyed. The fifth trumpet. Where there's an army of Demons from the pit of hell that are going to torment for five months. They will not kill men, but they will bring such intense pain that we will, those that were there will want to die, but be unable to die. The sixth trumpet, an invasion of the army of over 200 million people that would result of a third of the population being destroyed. Can you imagine right now a third of the population that were on this earth completely destroyed? 
the seventh trumpet announcing the soon return of the Lord. It also introduces the seven bowls or the seven vile judgments. Those seven judgments, looking at it, uh, uh, soars upon mankind. The second one is the waters of the sea that are turned into blood and every creature in the sea dies. The third one is the fresh waters of the earth are turned into blood. The fourth bowl is the sun's heat is intensified. Men's bodies are burned by the heat of the sun. Yet with these torments they will still not repent. The fifth bowl is that the, the plague brings darkness and intense pain to inhabit to inhabit at the earth. So much so that we begin to gnaw at our tongues. Those that were there would gnaw at their tongues. The sixth bowl, the Euphrates River, would be dried up. The seventh bowl, the vial that brings a cataclysm upon the earth. Earthquakes. Such to the magnitude that the islands of the sea would sink and the mountains of the earth would fall flat. Hail. Somewhere in the realm of 100 and 125 pounds of hail, each ball of hail being such. This morning, I'm not saying this. To bring about fear. I'm not saying this to be that shock and awe type of a thing. God's word says that this is what will happen at the end of the days to those who have not been caught up with him. God's word tells me that this is a real event that will take place in real time for real people to face such devastation that the world has never seen. If you know Christ is your Savior, and I can, just, I can speak this as how I have felt this over the last little bit of studying it. Going back about two years ago when I studied through the book of Revelation with somebody. If I can read it and do nothing about it, shame on me. If my heart has not been pricked by what just that, not even, I would encourage you to go read it on your own. But if that doesn't prick me to the point of needing to go and share, man, shame on me as a believer. Maybe you sit here and you are a non-believer. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Could I just plead with you? My cry for you, my prayer for you this week, my, my begging of you is that God would speak to you, that you would come to the place of saying, man, I don't want no part of that. I need Jesus all throughout this stuff that was going on in this passage of Scripture and what we're reading. It said time and again, and they would not repent. They would not come to the place of saying, I need Jesus. But here's what's exciting. Are you ready for something good? <laughs> it's kind of like, Ugh, thanks, man. I'm glad you invited me today. <laughs> If you read to verse number 20, it says this. I'm going to have you put it up on the screen like we did that 830. And except that the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened those days. If we leave that up there, I want you to stop and I want you to just think about this. All of those things were happening. There was the gospel still being presented. There was still those that were evangelizing and sharing the faith. People would still not repent. But yet it says in this passage of Scripture that the Lord shortened the days. That is that the Lord put an end. The Lord stopped 
all of those things, else all flesh would be dead. Can I just say, can I encourage, can I challenge, can whatever the word is there, I don't know, but can I just say, God in the midst of all of those things still had people, you on his mind, that he would still give an opportunity for redemption to come to a place of saying, yes, Jesus, I need you. Regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of anything that's taking place, God is still saying, but I give you one more chance. You're on this earth breathing. God is giving you one more breath of life if you don't know him to say, yes, I need you as my savior. That's the grace and love of the God that I am so fortunate to serve. That he would love me so much that he would make a way that I could say yes in the midst of me being like one of those people. Any, I, I am nobody different than anybody else other than I had said yes to him at one point. I recognized the sin that was within me. And I said, oh Lord, I need you. Hey, this morning as we get into this, as we or begin to kind of wrap this up a little bit, God is still redeeming. God is still at work. You are still here. Therefore, God has something for you here. And if you know Christ is your Savior, you better get to work. Because we've got a lot of work to do. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I can only just beg and plead with you to say, why not today? Why not today to say, man, I, I don't even know that if this were to happen tomorrow, I don't know if I would be gone or if I would be facing this. The devastation that is to come is very real, but there's also an out for you. The last thought this morning is the deception. As we close out this morning, we kind of wrap up and come to the end Jesus speaks of all of the devastation. He speaks of these things in 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Verse number 20, uh, he speaks of that, the, the hope that is still there. 21 and 22, it says, And then if any man shall say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not. For false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. Listen, the, the reality is this. At that, at that time, the, the Antichrist is going to be doing that. He's going to be spreading all kind of false junk. He's going to be speaking of all kinds of things. He's going to proclaim himself to be God. That's a deception in and of itself, right? And he's proclaiming to be something that he is not. Because he's bringing people together and he has a power to do some of those things. He'll have powers to do certain signs and do some of the stuff. It will be demonic, but he'll have that. And in the midst of all of those things, Jesus is telling them, hey, be warned. Hey, disciples, you need to go and tell. You need to do all those things, but be warned because there's going to be false prophets and there's going to be false gods, if you will, that are going to be everywhere. And you and your people need to be warned. I'll tell you, we need to be warned. Can I tell you right now? There's, I don't know that there's more false prophets today than ever before. I don't know that. But there's a whole lot of false teaching going on today. 
I said it at the beginning. Be, be careful of what you listen to on YouTube. Or Venmo, or Venmo, not Venmo. Yeah, be careful what you listen to on Venmo. You want me to give you mine and you can send me money. Be careful of what's out there. It's, it's a mess. And it's instant. It's so, it spreads so fast. We need to be careful. Those signs are taking place. The deception, more and more, we are deceived easier and easier and easier. I believe that. God's word says to be aware of that. Pastor Dan said it last week. We, the, in, in our, our nation, they study the dollar bill. They don't study the fake dollar bill. We need to know Christ. We need to know him and him crucified so that when the false is there, we go, ah, not so much today. But when I don't know him and it looks similar, it's easy to just fall right into the trap of saying, oh, that's a good thing. This morning as we wrap up, there's that great deception that's coming. There's false teachers today. There's going to be much more in those days. The power that's going to be behind them. But I ask you again, are you prepared? The things that we're seeing today are the stages that are being set. The judgment that will come is real. But I'm telling you today, there is a judgment to come And that judgment to come is real because God's word said, if you eat of that fruit, you will die. Because of sin, there has to be judgment. The wage of my sin is death, is what God's word says. The penalty of my sin, the cost of my sin, just like I get a paycheck to go to work, your paycheck for living in sin is death. What I am worth, what I deserve is to die because of sin. Because God's plan was that we would be united with Him. In the garden, they walked and talked with God. How awesome. One day, I look forward to walking and talking with God as they did in the garden. Adam and Eve walked and talked with garden, with garden, with God in the garden. But sin, and upon sin came death. Jeremiah chapter 8 or 18, verse number 8 says this, If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. I've been reading and studying in the book of Jeremiah, which has been really, really awesome and really, really not awesome at the same time because I don't like to get punched often and I feel like I'm getting punched a lot. But as I read that passage, it, it, it says that God was telling Jeremiah to go to the people and to let them know that if they would repent from all of the things that they would do, if they would turn, if they would have a change of mind, if they would turn from that, they would confess the wicked, they would confess of the things that they were doing and turn from all of that and go back to the way that God had called them to do it. If they would return, if they would repent from that, that he would turn all of that, he would take all the punishment away if they would just repent. Can I tell you today? God is saying the same thing to you as an individual. If you would repent and confess of all of the wickedness, God would take the penalty of death from you. He desires to take that from you. But here's what they said in this passage of Scripture. 
Jeremiah goes to them in verse number 11 of chapter 18. And he says, Return ye now every one of every one from his evil way, and make your ways and your doings good. And this is what they said. I don't know if it's up there. Is it up there? And they said, what does it say? There is no hope, but we will walk after our own devices, and we will every one do the imagination of its evil heart. Hey, can I plead with you today? As an individual... God's word says that if we would repent, that he would take that punishment from us. Can I just ask you, can I plead with you? Don't do like they did, where they said, there is no hope for me. Because I'm going to do the things that I want to do, and I'm going to follow my evil ways. Can I just, I just beg you. If this morning you sit in this auditorium, if you listen online, if you listen to it later, if you've never come to the place of saying, God, I need a Savior. I don't say it to scare you, but there's an end that's coming and it's not pretty. And it's real. Whether you make it through to the great tribulation and you're a part of that because you didn't know Him, or are you to die today and be separated from God for all of eternity in a place that God's Word calls hell? It's real. And I want to close out this morning with just this simple statement, this simple thought, is that God's design, again, is for you and I to live in perfect harmony and peace with Him. But sin came. And sin separated us. Separated that design and created brokenness. Brokenness is really a horrible thing, but brokenness is also a really good thing. Because there's probably several of you in this room that when you came to your, your worst, you were broken, you were completely down and out, you had nothing else to do, you had nowhere else to turn, you finally turned up and you looked up and you said, God, I need you. You were broken and you had nothing else, and you finally just said, God, if there's a God out there, I need you. Listen, when we are broken, we'll do just about anything to heal and to fix our brokenness. Many will turn to drugs, many turn to alcohol, many turn to sex, many turn to money, many turn to a lot of different things to, to try to cover up the brokenness that we have. Can I just say in the midst of that brokenness, God gave us the gospel. God gave us His Son, the good news of Jesus Christ. To Jesus, come, walk and talk, live perfectly to then die and go to a cross to carry your sin and mine. The gospel message is simply that, that Jesus came, lived perfect, died, was buried, and rose again three days later. And in that time when Jesus died, when he said he, he carried that weight, he said it is finished, that was because the, the weight of our sin, the weight of my sin was upon his shoulders. He was separated from his father because they cannot be and con- they can't be close to sin. It cannot be consuming in the same place. And Jesus departed because of my sin. The punishment that I deserved was on his shoulders. Can I just say to you today, the desire of God, the desire for me, is that you would do what we just said, is repent and believe. 
that brokenness would cause you to come to a place to see your need of him and that you would understand the salvation, that you would believe that Jesus died, that Jesus was buried and that Jesus rose again and that he carried that sin debt for you and that his desire is that you would be back in fellowship with him if you would just simply confess and repent and say, God, I believe. I need you. I don't know this morning who in this room doesn't know the Lord is their Savior. I don't know who in this room right now is in the midst of a broken place. You might be in the midst of that broken place. And your cry right now is, God, I need you. I need to turn from the things that I've been doing and surrender to you. This morning, you can. You can. And he's desiring that you do. God desires to be in perfect relationship with you. Let me ask you as I close, where do you sit in that little circle, if you will? Are you broken? Or have you come to a place of repentance? If you're broken, why not say yes to the gospel? Why not say yes to Christ? Maybe you've come to that place and you, as a, you may sit here as a believer and you've come to that place. Can I just say repent? Continually repent. Continually confess to stay close to Him. And today, the message, the challenge to you is don't sit idle. We've got to go. We've got work to do. The message for some this morning might be, are you prepared spiritually? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'm going to have every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I'm not going to prolong anything. I am going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to invite you to respond to the Lord this morning. Maybe today, maybe today you would sitting where you're at. Say, Pastor Aaron, there's never been a time where I've asked God and I've confessed before Him that I am a sinner. Maybe you've never came to the place of seeing your brokenness and all the things that you've tried to, to cover it and tried to bring you to a place of joy and peace. You've never come to the place of saying, maybe God is the one that desires to bring me back whole. Maybe this morning you would, from your heart to God, say something similar to this prayer. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I confess before you that I have sinned, and I ask that you would forgive me. And from your heart to God, you would say, God, I desire to repent. I, re I desire to turn from my wicked ways. And I place my faith and trust in you to be my Lord and my Savior. Would you come into my life? Maybe this morning you said something like that. Can I just ask you, if you said that this morning, if you, from your heart to the Lord, 
If you said a prayer, something similar like that, would you raise your hand up this morning? Anybody at all? Did anybody say that? I see a hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say, Pastor, I, I need the Lord. I, I'm unsure of what that is. Anybody else? Maybe this morning you would just say, Pastor, I know Christ is Savior. And I've been pretty passive in sharing the gospel and sharing the hope that I have. But as I listen to the passage, as I read God's word, I, I need to get busy in sharing my hope with others. Would there be anybody, would there be anybody that would just raise a hand and say, I, I acknowledge that. I've become too passive about my faith. I'm not even worried about what's coming up, and I don't even share that with anybody else. Anybody else? This morning, I just want to respond to the Lord. I want us as a church to respond to Him, that we would say, God, here I am. I must go. I must go. Father, we come to you today. And Lord, I know in some ways for me personally, there was a hesitation because it is a friend day and this may not be the, the best first sermon for somebody to hear. But God, in the midst of all of that, you've chosen to bring each person here this morning that needed to hear just that. And so, Father, maybe there is somebody that sits here that maybe for the very first time said, God, I need to know you as Lord and Savior. I pray that you'd give them boldness to connect and to communicate with us so that we could follow up, so that we could walk with them, so that we could help them, that we can guide them and, and share what your word says about the decision that they made. Father, maybe it's the guest or the those that know you as Savior this morning to, to be challenged. There is an end coming, and it's not pretty. And God, we don't need to live in fear, but yet we need to be prepared spiritually, personally, but we need to do all that we can, as we saw last week, that we need to go and share the hope that lies within us. Could I have a stand to our feet this morning? I'm going to have the praise team just sing a simple verse of invitation. And as I said before, this isn't to prolong, but I just want to invite you. I want to invite you to respond back to the Lord. Maybe again, you said the prayer. Maybe you didn't say the prayer, but you need to. Why not come forward? Maybe you know the Lord is your Savior and you're just sitting idly right where you're at. Why don't you respond to Him this morning?